You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two, Heroin, for updates. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Brady Leavitt, like any other Canadian kid, his dream was to play in the National Hockey League. Success came easily to Leopold as he began to turn heads in the junior leagues. Only pass from Long, he's got Leopold with him. Long walks in, Sanders, goal! Leopold's right-hand shot rotates and then sends here Long back to Leopold. And a boy, Brady. And here we go, right off the bat, a fight ensues. And it's Leavold and Kerr, and they're both getting in shots. Now Leavold throwing right after right and just connecting like crazy. Once I met Heroin, I mean, it was just, that became my new passion. What's the reason that young people who are athletes get addicted to heroin? They injure themselves, and they're more likely to be prescribed an opioid. And once addicted, many are going to switch over to heroin because it's much more cost-effective. And the effects that they produce in the brain are indistinguishable. When we talk about painkillers, we're essentially talking about heroin pills. Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery. This is Brady Liebold coming at you guys from Utterson, Ontario. This is is episode number 50. I'm already getting emotional just saying that. I can tell you guys already. It's, uh, I don't know about my guests, but I'm going to be choked up quite a bit. So just uh, be prepared. Uh, Anyways, guys, uh, once again, thank you so much for listening. If this is your first time listening, hold on. (laughs) Maybe you should go back and listen to a a few of the other ones. Uh, However, uh, thank you to everyone that's uh, joined in on the ride, whether it's your first time or your 50th time. Thank you so much. I hope you're listening on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can check them out anywhere on social media at HockeyPodNet and, of course, their website, www.thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Uh, guys, I've been actually following hockey for the first time in years and years, and uh, it's been exciting. It's obviously nice when, when one of my former teammates is... Uh, battling for the Stanley Cup, he's he's obviously got a uphill battle, and I'm talking about Jamie Benn and the Dallas Stars. But uh, what an interesting what an interesting scene watching NHL playoff hockey in August and into September, uh, and everything else that's gone on. I, I haven't talked too much about the political stuff, and uh, I don't really plan to. However, I will say uh, that I've enjoyed it, and uh, you know what, the, the players are, are playing hard. Uh, there's been more fights and scraps in this hockey than there has been in years, uh, and they're standing up for what they believe in, so I support them 100%. Uh, and, and guys, uh, I hope you do as well. Um, other than that, I mean, hold on. Hold on for this one, guys. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a good one. Uh, I hope it's going to be educational. Uh I don't even know why I'm here to be doing this in the first place. In, in my honest opinion, uh, I should have been long gone uh, many years ago. 
Uh, however, I, I'm not, and I'm so grateful that I'm not. Uh, uh, but there's just been so many others um, in you know similar situations, believe it or not, uh, that haven't been as lucky. Uh, and one of them was Matthew Lazinski, and I talk about this every single podcast, so get used to it. Matthew Lazinski was born in 1987, the same year as myself. Played in the OHL for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds and struggled with mental health and addiction. And his story is so similar to mine. Uh, however, I was on the West Coast and he was out here in Ontario. And I never even got a chance to meet him. But a guy by the name of Matt Thompson uh, reached out to me after episode number one uh, and shared the story of Lazinski. And I'm sure you've heard me talk about this lots. Uh, and, uh, you know, this the similarities were... We're uh, honestly disturbing uh, because uh, since that day, there hasn't been a day and sometimes an hour that goes by where it's like, wow, you know, I, I have the plaque with me. Uh, I'm not in the Matthew Lazinski Memorial Studio that's in the middle of being built. And I know it's taken me way longer than I've um, anticipated and hoped. But uh, good news, it, it's getting done in the next couple of weeks. And I'll, I'll share some uh, more news on that at the end of the episode. But uh Matthew Lazinski uh, passed away in 2017 to an overdose and uh, Matthew Thompson shared the story with me and uh, they were best friends and uh, since then I, pretty much everything I've done I, I've remembered uh, how grateful I am to be alive and, and so many others like uh, Lazinski have not been so lucky um, and, and since learning about that story there's been others and some even closer to me than Lazinski like Mitch Fadden and uh, you know, I'm not sure what the answer is, guys, but I was sick of hearing um, hearing about it all and not doing anything about it and talking about it and not doing anything about it. And I know others were too, and that's uh, why myself, as well as others like Matt Thompson and, and guys like Darren McCarty, uh, four-time Stanley Cup champ, have stepped in uh, to create something called the Puck Sport Foundation. Uh, the Puck Sport Foundation uh, is essentially... Um, an organization, a, non, a developing nonprofit uh, charity uh, to assist the hockey community, uh, not just players, uh, players, coaches, uh, parents, uh, you name it, uh, anyone in the hockey community uh, struggling with mental health and addiction uh, and just the stresses of life, um, which often don't get talked about. I know growing up, I, I certainly didn't talk about it. And and I know playing hockey in the dressing room, I didn't talk about it. Um, I just assumed that uh, I needed to just be quiet and, uh, you know, just be, you know, shut up and, and just play, you know. That's what you do. You're a hockey player. And uh, eventually it got the best of me uh, and led me down a dark road. So, uh, and, and so many others. And, and even guys that have, have, you know, gone on to tremendously successful NHL careers, uh, guys with multiple Stanley Cups and millions of dollars in the bank, um, they struggle as well and uh, it's not just hockey players guys it's just life life is difficult and uh, the puck sport foundation just wants to take a little bit of stress a little bit of pressure off the hockey community um, and uh, we're really focusing and working hard and uh, every day things come together just a little bit more uh, and uh, one of the things we're doing is the puck sport foundation gratitude crusade and guys it's been uh, tremendously successful it's about to get uh, uh, about to get revamped, so to speak. Uh, we're going to restructure it and uh, change it more from a video to picture so that more people want to uh, be inclusive because, yes, we need to raise money uh, immediately just to get this thing off the ground. And again, I'm going to touch it this on, touch on this at the end. Um, but the most important thing about the Gratitude Crusade uh, is, you know, seeing 
uh, people, the people that have done it, thank you so much, make these videos and then the support come in and just, you know, encouraging people to live with the attitude of gratitude. I've said this multiple times. I literally have an alarm in my phone five times a day that says stop and be grateful and there's reasons why I do that. You know, most of the time, uh, my days are pretty good, uh, but I still struggle. Uh, every single day I still struggle. Uh, life is hard. Uh, I don't use drugs anymore uh, in the capacity that I was. Um, or, I mean, I just say that because I have to be careful because yes, I tell you guys I use cannabis. So when I say I'm clean, some people are like, oh, well, you're not. But, you know, it's it's medical reasons and, and you know, I've talked to doctors and I'm on my way of getting the medical prescription um, so that it's all um, done properly. And uh, so, um, and again, I've talked to my psychiatrist uh, about it and psychologists about it. So, you know, and they're all supportive um, as well as my doctor. So. Uh, I just want to make that clear before we go on and again that's just something that I'm working towards and something that I'm mindful of and, and eventually I would like to uh, to be on nothing too but again um, I still think what I'm doing beats the alternatives of, of pharmaceuticals of antidepressants and, and all of that but that's my opinion and, and based on the research and, and uh, experiences that I've had uh, I don't ever want to influence or encourage anybody to do anything that I'm doing just because you think I'm doing it and it's working for me. Uh, no, I want everybody just to get educated uh, and make the best possible decisions. Uh, and just, you know, before you do things, ask questions. It's okay to ask questions. Ask the doctors questions before, you know, doing, doing things, before taking things. Um, and, uh, you know, it's okay. Like, you know, not... Because in my, in my experience, I just, you know, it was just, I was easily influenced and uh, it led me down a dark road. So that is just something I want to get off my chest uh, because I know some people are having a hard time with it, with uh, wrapping their heads around it because for so long, uh, the whole cannabis industry has been outlawed and, and looked at as uh, something that's so harmful when in fact, when used with intention and used properly and, um, in the right setting and all of that uh, it can be extremely beneficial and can actually you know keep people away from the harmful uh, painkillers such as you know oxycontin which is the thing that destroyed my life which I'm gonna talk about uh, probably in, in pretty great detail today um, guys man this is just crazy I just wanted to say thank you quickly uh, to Diana Debit McDonald and Stuart McDonald uh, who are kindly letting me use their summer trailer uh, as the makeshift Matthew Lazinski Memorial Studio, uh, which is located on the Devic compound up here in Muskoka. So um, thank you guys. Uh, it allows me to uh, get away um, and get some quiet because uh, we got, what, three dogs in the house right now, uh, kids, and uh, it can be chaotic. Uh, and not to mention the one little chihuahua barks when anybody or car goes by. Not that many people go by, but it was Labor Day long weekend. So there's a lot of cottagers coming up and down the road. And this little this little dog barks like crazy. If you if you hear in any of the past podcasts a dog barking, that you can uh, you can uh, pay courtesy to Jax, the little chihuahua. So thank you to Diana and Stuart uh, for letting me use your uh, beautiful trailer uh, up here in Muskoka which is only about 25 feet from the front door so um, thank you so much guys uh, before we get into the episode this episode is probably brought to you by T 
Team Issue Limited. Team Issue is connecting all walks of life. Team Issue does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, you can head over to the website teamissue.ca. Use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. If you don't know what Team Issued is, that is a clothing line, a clothing brand developed, uh, owned, and operated by a friend and former teammate of mine, Jesse Paradise, who I played with for one season uh, when I played with the Kelowna Rockets. He was a 16-year-old when I was 20. He was uh, my second guest ever on this show way back on episode number three. Uh, after not talking to me for uh, like a decade and a half or whatever it had been and uh, basically all he had heard was all the all the horrible things that I had done and, and uh, the things that whatever uh, the, yeah the choices I <laughs> continued to make it seemed and uh, when I reached out to him he didn't again he didn't hesitate and uh, he offered the sponsorship to the show up team issue and, and since that day our partnership has been absolutely tremendous and uh, it worked out nicely for me because I've talked about it quite often. I was uh, freshly out of jail for the fifth or sixth time, unfortunately, and I really had nothing. I had uh, walked away from uh, my past life in really Ontario and uh, took nothing with me. Uh, literally, when I walked out the doors of, of jail, all I had was uh, one pair of jeans and a shirt that Taylor had got uh, on the way there the day before. Uh, and from there, I started building slowly, and I had literally had no money and... and uh, not uh, not too many options available, and uh, Jesse, you know, sent me a huge box of free team issued clothing. And uh, honestly, what that did for me, uh, it made me wanna, you know, care about my appearance again, and made me feel good again. And uh, that's the reason why he started the brand in the first place. If you read it, uh, it was based on the feeling of him, like that we used to get, like at the beginning of every single year, we would get like a little duffel bag or whatever of all the gear, or all the swag from our team and junior and pro and all that. And that was like one of the best best days of the whole year. And then again, at Christmas time, we'd get something or whatever. Uh, it was always awesome. We would get shoes and flip flops and uh, it was awesome, right? So Jesse always remembered that and he utilized that a lot. And, and after hearing him talk about it, I really wish I did this. He actually would use that stuff and he would trade it uh, with the other guys on other teams so he ended up with you know swag from all the different teams in the whl which is really cool uh and then so when he retired he was like how do i like recreate that feeling of getting it so you know he started his own clothing brand and so when you get the team issue back whatever it's sort of it's sort of like that and uh it, it made me feel good again so jesse thank you um check it out teamissued.ca promo code toedrag 15 to get 15% off your total purchase. All right, guys. So before I get in to episode 50, um, wow, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play something, and at the end of it, it may just have to play out for a bit because uh, we'll see how we'll see how I'm doing uh, emotionally. Uh, but let's do it. Uh, let's get right in to episode. 50. Brady joins us here on the line. But, you know, reading this, if somebody were to tell you this story without reading it, you'd, you'd say, like, this is not true. I, where did, I, I guess, I don't even know where to begin in some ways, but where did it all go sideways? You, you grew up in Port Coquitlam, uh, you, you started go playing in the Western Hockey League, um, and then life kind of took a turn, didn't it? There's so many layers to this story. I'm all over the place. 
growing up in, in Port Coquitlam, uh, my dad raised me. Ryan, he's a retired firefighter in North, the North Vancouver district. Could bring tears to my eyes talking about this guy. Really, my story has no reflection on him. My dad was down on Hastings and in Surrey, and I didn't know this. Um, you know, lifting up blankets of, of junkies on the street, as he said. He could have easily found me, because that's where I was, guys. It, it wasn't pretty. Brady Lee of old uh, with us here on Sportsnet 650. How did it all go sideways for you? You know, your dad was did everything he could to help raise you and did a wonderful job. You know, it, things were going in the right direction. You go off to the Western Hockey League. Where, where, did it, where did it go awry for you? It was a combination of things. Uh, I mentioned uh, briefly about the sexual abuse. So growing up, you know, I never said anything to anybody. Uh, I stuffed that down. Uh, and then, you know, moving away from home at a, at a young age uh, is very difficult. I think just not knowing how to deal with that. So when I found drinking and drugs, um, like a lot of people, uh, it was an instant relief. You know, I had all these thoughts, uh, suicidal thoughts, uh, mental health going on because of these things that happened when I was a kid. I didn't know how to deal with it. There was opportunities for me to talk to sports psychologists. I didn't know how to be honest. Um, I was still scared. Went back as an 18-year-old, had every opportunity to succeed. Uh, and I quit five games into the season. Um, let me take a breath because my dad just texted me and told me to slow down. Um, <laughs> so, really, that's one thing I'm trying to implement in my life is listening to my dad now. I didn't do that for 32 years, so let's do that now. Growing up in Vancouver, you guys know what it's like. Hastings is a real thing. Growing up, my dad was like, he gave me this speech, you know, if you don't go to school and if you don't do this, this is where you end up. Of course, I, I was like, no, dad, that'll never happen to me. But, you know, I, I don't know how my dad did it, but he did it a hell of a lot better than most men could have done on their own. And dad, I love you so much. And for that, I am ever grateful. At the end of the day, I was with, with my dad the majority of the time, uh, and he just, gave me and my sister such a wonderful childhood and provided us with every opportunity to succeed and do everything that we wanted to do. Dad, I love you and I'm looking forward to uh, having you on uh, on episode 50. I'm not sure you ever thought that I was going to make it. I've arrived. Episode 50 is here. Just cut to the chase here. I'm going to wipe my tears from my face. Um, wow. Uh, before I bring in my dad, 
I would just want to say, um, you know, this uh, it's probably something that I honestly probably didn't think was going to happen even when uh, he made the agreement with me. So if you don't know, uh, I think I've shared this story uh, before. Uh, when I first started the podcast, I, you know, I wasn't really talking to my dad and, and, uh, I had just been out of jail a few months and I was in Muskogee, didn't really know what the hell I was doing as, has been the case for the last 15 years probably and maybe longer. <laughs> and, uh, anyways, I, I told him that, you know, I'm going to start a podcast and he said, it's probably not a good idea. Maybe just focus on your book. And uh, I thought it was pretty good advice, but something, uh, something was inside me uh, was was telling me that I had to start this podcast, and and so like I did many times in the past, uh, I didn't take my dad's advice, and for once, um, for once it actually paid off, um, and I think. Uh, we could talk about it. I think my dad was just probably a little scared that I was going to blow up in my face trying to protect me. and um, Because I don't think he could have ever expected uh, for for things to happen the way they have. And again, it's still very new and I'm still not, I'm sure he's probably nervous. But um, I just want to say uh, that he said back then, he's like, you know, uh, there's no way I'm coming on this. I think I asked him like right when I started, right? I was like, we got, we got lots to talk about, so let's do this. It's like, no, but... Uh, episode you make it to episode 50 and uh no problem let's do it so i honestly i'll be i'll be honest so like you know i i actually marked it on the calendar like so today's september 8th but right and uh it's september 9th i had marked on the calendar because i knew uh that that was today i just did the math in my head once i was signed on to the hockey podcast network and i could kind of figure out what day it was going to be and um then there was times along the way where it was like man am i going to self-sabotage this uh because that's just what i do uh and i'm wondering if he thought the same thing uh but this is like just before we get into it this for me to reach this um people may not understand i don't think my dad will even understand uh, that this right here uh, is like for me a huge deal and um, not only just to get him on the podcast uh, but just to you know actually make uh, come to an agreement with my dad and, and make good on it because as we're you're gonna hear uh, I've been probably the worst son uh, you could possibly be um, but there's reasons why and, and we're gonna get into that so uh, without further ado, my dad's uh, still living uh, in Port Coquitlam, um, in Citadel Heights, uh, no longer on Morrison Street. Uh, but dad, thanks so much uh, for finally uh, doing this. Did you ever think that I was actually going to make it? I didn't think the intro would ever end, so you must be choosing to have a good day today. Yes, I thought you'd make it, but I just thought I'd throw 50 out there because you'll probably do 200 or 300. Well, I hope so, and it's a nice little crack it there because I'm what are you throwing a crack because I'm choosing to have a good day well it's it's true though because there was a lot of days where I wasn't uh choosing to have 
Many good days, uh, but I think where we'll start is I think let's just start at the beginning. I mean, things uh, were looking pretty good, weren't they, at one point in time? Uh, you know, I mean, we can touch a little bit about your childhood. We've never talked about it enough uh, because I, I just never knew how to go there, but you lost your dad at, at a very young age, and you're an only child, and uh, I've actually talked about it on videos before. I never got to talk to grandma, like your mom, uh, my grandma Lever, we called her because of Don Lever, but I never clued in why they called you Lever. My dad's nickname is Lever. I never clued in that Lever actually goes with our last name Lever too until I actually went to Kelowna. That's how dense I was for so long. Um, but uh, that was the first time anybody ever called me Lever without knowing that that was my dad's like nickname was in Kelowna, which was kind of cool. But, you know... Uh, I think, uh, you know, from the little bits that I did talk to grandma, uh, you and your dad were, were pretty much best friends and, and our relationship was very much the same in, in my eyes. And, uh, you know, you grew up in Vancouver and, and you met my mom and at a young age, you were what, in grade nine and, and you guys were pretty much, you know, together with whatever uh, little incidents in between as, as often happens in high school. But you guys had um, Brittany, right? You, we, I have a sister that I don't talk about much, but she's two years older than me. And uh, just quickly say, then I was born August 21st, 1987. And uh, my dad hung a windsock on, on East 41st Street uh, on a hockey stick. And, and right from day one, I think uh, you're pretty proud to have a son. And, and you were always an avid uh, hockey uh supporter in one way or another you always coached hockey long before I was around and, and involved is that something um you know that you were looking forward to having a son like I, you never pressured me I'll say it right now you never once pressured me and we're going to talk about that but were you looking forward um to being like given the opportunity to teach a, a young boy to play hockey well I think that's part of it I, I just I've always enjoyed coaching like uh, like I tell everybody now those that that can't play coach and those that can't coach become scouts so that's probably why I'm scouting now so um I yeah no I enjoyed that I was probably 20 years old and I was coaching the Pee Wee A team so as soon as I was done playing I was coaching and I had no kids involved and it was an ex-teammate and I we uh, just decided to give back yeah, and that's, you know, and you've always been uh, involved, I mean, around the ranks uh, from, and you always coach too, like even, you know, you coach me and then you always coach other teams, guys that were older than me as well. And actually, I wanted to talk about that um, a little bit here in a sec, but we, uh, you know, we we lived in Vancouver till I was 11 months old. Then we moved to Port Coquitlam, which was, you know, it's like 27 kilometers from Vancouver. What was it like back then? Because I don't really remember uh, that making that move uh, for you and mom. Uh, were you guys the first one out of your group of friends to move out there? Was that a big decision? Was it far away um, from Vancouver? And, and what was the ultimate deciding factors to go to Port Coquitlam of all places? Uh your aunt and uncle, like Lee and Orion, moved out to Coquitlam, and and we moved out to Port Coquitlam, which was a bit farther. But by car, it was only four minutes away from their place. So um, it was affordable out there. It was um, good community, still is. And uh, no, it's probably the only place we could afford to get the kind of house we wanted and yard we wanted. So that's uh, one of the main reasons. And it was a fluke how we found the house. It was. The realtor took us down the, a dead end street, what he thought was a dead end, but it wasn't a dead end. And it turned out it was uh, one of the Coquitlam Fire Chief's house that was for sale. So that was kind of funny. And that he actually had a place down, but almost 
kitty corner to the cabin in Point Roberts. You probably don't remember that. But. I do. I do. And it was like red with these big, it was like a kind of age frame shaped with like these weird balls hanging from it, right? Yeah, well, that's because he took, if you remember the Pennington's next door, it used to be a chicken farm to where the whole um, Campbell Street was a chicken farm. And the guy's house that we had, he took all the barns apart and built that cabin in Point Roberts. That's kind of cool. Yeah, so my mom's family, my mom's mom had a place down in Point Roberts, which is on the tip of uh, the coast in Vancouver, which is, it's actually the United States of America, but you can't access it uh, from anywhere but Canada unless you take the boat uh, from the States. Like, you have to come around and come through Tawasin and go in that way or South Delta. Uh, but a really nice spot, and, and that was a place I got to spend a lot of time with, with uh, mom's side of the family and you until, until I, w- I was five. Um, but I, you heard it in the intro. My dad is a, was a firefighter my entire life. He just recently retired, uh, which was awesome. I always loved that my dad was a fireman. I was so proud that my dad was a fireman. I love to go see my dad at work. Um, I love to tell people that my dad was a fireman. Uh, he was, uh, you were like, you were my hero, right? So I thought, but at the same time, uh, I was extremely nervous after watching the movie Backdrop, but we'll talk about that in here in a sec. Uh, no, I'm serious. I don't think I ever told you that, but it, I think Brittany too. If you ask my my sister, it really it, it really messed my psychology up um, as a kid a little bit, uh, uh, just for the night shifts. I think. Uh, but you guys moved to Port Coquitlam, uh, and what a great house! Like you, you couldn't have bought a better house uh, to provide a better childhood uh, for two kids. Uh, backed onto a, a beautiful forest uh, that just you know provided me with tons of. Uh, life experiences and, and, and good times uh, and, and probably you a lot of headaches. I used to run there when I'd get in trouble and wait for your whistle uh, and I knew I'd be in shit but uh, everything was looking pretty good uh, until just before my fifth birthday when uh, you know your your wife, my mom and someone you'd been with for pretty much your uh, entire childhood decided that uh, she was going to leave and, and leave you with two kids at uh, you were 32 years old. Um, so, you know, we've never talked about it, but you know, I, I found a note, uh, after grandma passed away that you wrote mom and, uh, Brittany and I wrote it. I don't think you ever knew this, but, uh, I didn't really realize the circumstances until then. And, and I'll be honest, well, that was, uh, taking place when I found the note, I was, uh, recently into oxy addiction and in a really bad way uh, nobody really knew plus uh, with grandma passing away it was very easy for me to kind of cover it up because you had other stuff going on and I wasn't really around you much um, but I don't know how uh, looking back at that now uh, as a dad and going through the things that I've gone through um, what what was that like and and how did you how did you get through it like all honestly how did you do it and uh and what what made you what made you get through it and uh was there ever a time where you were just like man i just want these kids to go away because it would just be so much easier like because i know like like my sister and i were were horrible times chasing each other around with razors and knives and all of that like this was after i think but uh it, especially when you weren't around, uh, it was more when you were at work. I, like it was just crazy sometimes. Um, but you must have just felt overwhelmed. How did you not just give up at sometimes? Well, you can't give up on your kids, and we had uh, good support from the, the grandparents. And your mom took her turn, not as often as I would have liked, but it, she did. And um, our next door neighbors were unbelievable. 
Yeah, we were we were so lucky uh, with Bob and Louise, and I, I've talked about that. Uh, they were, you know, essentially lifesavers for 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 you, I guess. Um, I always felt like they were lifesavers for for me too, but you know, now I can understand how much they they really helped you. And uh, Bob Bob was a real good friend, and probably still is to you, because uh, you guys also hung out quite a bit. Um, just yeah, we were so lucky to have them, but. You know, yeah, you 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 push through, um, and I remember right around that time is a, is about the time I started hockey, and uh, if I remember correctly, uh, you had to camp overnight outside the Poco Rec Center just to sign me up. Is that true, or am I remembering? Yeah, that? we had to. You had to go. I don't know if it was overnight, but it was real early in the morning that we had to go, like three or four or something like that, because there was waiting lists back then. Yeah, I think what you guys did was probably go there and drink beer at at two thirty, three in the morning or whatever, um, which was uh, pretty cool that you you did that. I just I remember that specifically because at that time I remember uh, must have been very close after mom left because I remember just being not wanting you to go, but wanting you to go. I was just okay with you going because it was for my hockey and I was excited to play hockey. Uh, but looking back, what was the what was the excitement around hockey? Because uh, I don't remember. Uh, at what age was I like really starting to uh, to get into it? Because my first kind of memories of hockey are are being on the ice with you, uh, parent and taught, and of course there's a video of it or there was. Uh, which we would often go, or it's my, my memory that we would go quite often, and it would be just you and myself, and, and sometimes uh, another a parent and or another parent and child, which would usually be a lady, Janice Ballard and her son Jeff, who's now acting down in Hollywood, um, and, and just you and myself. And uh, I think I might have been four or five at that time, I'm not sure, but looking back, uh, did I always want to play hockey? When did I start carrying a hockey stick around? Uh, real early. You liked to play hockey. You didn't like to practice hockey. And it, you, it couldn't be pretend. It couldn't be like half ice or third ice. It had to be whole ice. And, <laughs> and there had to be goalies. And there couldn't be shooter tutors. And yeah, if, if there wasn't referees, you were you were a little upset. Really? I just was, was I ultra competitive? Or what was it I just wanted? What was the deal there? Was it like that from day one? Or or did something It had change? to be real. It had to be like whatever you saw on TV, I'm guessing. Huh. It's interesting. Or uh, Go you were kind of intrigued by the Junior B teams that was here, and you were infatuated with a bunch of those guys. Yeah, that was, you know, it's funny because uh, you haven't read anything about uh, I've written uh, while I was in jail, obviously, and uh, because since getting out, you and I have barely spent any time together, and I'm obviously living in another province. Um, <laughs> we haven't spent any time together. <laughs> it, well, exactly. And uh, but I write about that as I write about uh, looking up to the Pork Coquitlam Buckaroos as if that was my stepping stone to the NHL because there was no major junior teams in our, in our area. Uh, the only reason I knew about any junior teams uh, was because we would listen to Dan Russell's sports talk uh, whenever you weren't at work uh, at 10 o'clock at night. Um, and I would just pretend like I just wanted to just, I like to sleep in your bed, I think, uh, when whenever I could. And we'd just listen to sports talk and, and, and watch sports highlights. And it's funny because now I... I look back, uh, and it's and it's even funnier because I was watching a game where 
I was playing and it was they just posted it on YouTube as a WHL throwback game where I was playing with Kelowna and, and Dan Russell is the commentator for the game and it's it's funny because you know I can't tell you how many hours you and I spent listening to that show um, and now I kind of have my own sports talk show uh, and taking things from listening to that all those years ago and and uh, picking up on, on little things like that. So uh, it's kind of, I've thought about this. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Do you, Is there any coincidence that, did you ever see me doing this? Mm. Well, I didn't see you doing a lot of things, but no, I knew you would do something. <laughs> something in the hockey world at some point. I don't know what, you know, but uh, you're doing a good job at this and you seem passionate about it. So just keep you going in the right direction. That'll be good. Yeah, and and that's that's been the biggest thing. Um, I think through the podcast is it's it's been such a, a positive outlet. It's allowed you and I to connect again. It's allowed me to connect with a lot of uh, old friends and as well as many new great people uh, in and out of the hockey community. Um, but it's funny that you talk about you know I do remember uh, those times as a kid being you know real pissed off that you know when things didn't go my way. Uh, including when things weren't real. Uh, I was a handful. Uh, was there a time, uh, looking back, like can you pinpoint it, uh, to when I went from, and we'll talk about how like, crazy I was at times, um, when I started to really lash out uh, as a kid and have like like major episodes. Can you pinpoint it to an age? Well, probably Adam or Pee Wee, I guess. You have had a bit of rage there and I had no idea about what you revealed about being abused and uh, had, we may have been able to deal with it then but um, oh. yeah you were you were angry at some of your games and after some of your games and so what I wasn't I wasn't uh, typically like that before like did you really like looking back now like obviously because um, you would assume uh, and parents assume that these things don't happen. Uh, and I don't want to spend a, a lot of time talking about that uh, incident or anything because talking about that incident doesn't change anything. Uh, yeah. But what we can talk about uh, is, you know, just looking back and, and so that maybe we can help people pick up little signs uh, because I was not telling anybody for anything. Like, um, there just was no way because at that time, uh, it's interesting you say that it was around that time because I thought it was a lot earlier, but maybe it wasn't. Um, because I remember, if you remember me coming home, there was a time when I just had to have a Ramon CD. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember no, that? No, I don't remember that. Well, no. well, we went to HMV, and I remember I had to made you buy me this Ramon CD, but this was a CD that this guy made me listen to and anything, but... I must have been uh, in grade four, uh, grade three, grade four, somewhere around there. So it would have been, yeah, the ages that, that you're saying. And, and uh, certainly there's there's nothing that would have made you think that that would have happened to me. But I know that in and around those times uh, at eight, nine, ten years old, um, especially um, with, you know, the young young kids on the playground and certainly in the hockey dressing room you start to hear homophobic slurs and guys use uh different words uh and then you start to see um kids get labeled that aren't even these things uh and 
then their whole life gets ruined. Like I saw it myself. Like kids get labeled as something that aren't even that. Like somebody would be called gay uh, because something happened. Uh, and, and certainly that person wasn't gay. But then for the rest of their school lives, especially at the younger ages, they would get made fun of or ridiculed for it or, you know, have a nickname attached to that. You know what I mean? So for me, I was like, there is no way that that's going to be me. So I'm just going to shut this down here and just keep on motoring along. Um, and hockey was my outlet. Um, as much as I love to play on the ice, um, I must have spent, uh, you must have spent, sorry, a fortune on rollerblade wheels. How many sets of rollerblade wheels did I go through as a kid, you well, figure? Dozens, if you weren't stealing your sisters. So. <laughs> Yeah, she'd be pissed. She'd always get the same as whatever I was getting, and then I'd end up going through mine and uh, and using hers. And no wonder she still has a little bit of a little bit of hate on for me. Um, but <laughs> it's kind of funny, uh, you know. I just I remembered uh, just you know endless hours of of playing on the front street on Morrison and, and carrying the the ghetto blaster out there and and pumping music, whether it was with um, with kids or not, and but one of the kids that I played with um, at, a, at a young age um, quite often on the front street was a guy by the name of Peter Gordon. Uh, and you uh, actually coached Peter. Uh, yeah, and, and, uh, he's a And he's a few years older than myself, and, and he lived up the street from us. And uh, he was always infatuated in love with Ed Belfour. He looked like a little mini Ed Belfour. Um, and he was a pretty good goalie. Uh, I always thought he was the best goalie because he was older than me. And uh, then when you coach Bantam AAA, uh, he would have been five years older than me. Uh, he was your guys' goalie. Uh, shortly thereafter, he moved from Port Coquitlam uh, to Semiamu to White Rock. Uh, and uh, some things happened uh, in a situation, uh, I believe, uh, that the kids were picking on him uh, and calling him, you know, homophobic slurs and calling him gay. Uh, and shortly thereafter, he hung himself and uh, Peter Gordon committed suicide at uh, 16 or 17 years old. Um, did you, you went to his funeral, didn't you? Yes, I did. Um, so what a tragedy, like looking back, um, you know, I spent a lot of time as a kid um, playing with this, uh, playing with this kid and there's a picture and I hope uh, we can find it somewhere. Uh, of me when I'm young, I think at my birthday or whatever, and he's in his gear. And I would just love to have that picture because now with what I'm doing, um, surrounding the Puck Sport Foundation with mental health and addiction, uh, that would be, uh, Peter Gordon would be my first friend that, that really struggled uh, with that. And um, it's, it's just really tragic. And uh, we've never discussed that, but I just wanted to bring that up um, just, you know, just to go on the record, um, you know, because I had, to be honest, I'd completely forgot about it uh, up until the other day, uh, and I never want that to happen again. Uh, even though you know, I, me and him had grown apart from a very young age because he got older and whatever. But at the same time, there's a lot of fond memories there. And and honestly, he was a good goalie, so I think I got to hone a lot of my skills um, getting to shoot on him. Would would that be kind of? Did I shoot on him quite a bit or no? Well, you would come out to the odd practice with the older kids and. No, I mean on the front street. Um, no, but I bring you out on the ice too. Oh, I know that, but well, I, I, I 
I remember one time, I Dad. Have a babysitter. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember one time actually he had the new pads and we were doing the buckaroo drill, that little shootout drill, and I I, I deked him out on one and uh, I was like, "Nice pads, Pete." Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty funny, but uh, you know, yeah. So looking back, Dad, I just want to let you know too that like, there's nothing. Uh, I'm yeah. There's there's really nothing you could have done, uh, even if we would have uh, went ahead and and got, you know. Um, you know, psychologist or whatever, uh, I was so fixated uh, on shutting that down based on the experiences that I had had in the schoolyard and uh, in the dressing room, uh, seeing how other people were being ridiculed based on that. Plus, I was getting, uh, I was really confused about it all because, again, I thought if people find out that that makes me gay and all this stuff. So I was really fighting this and I think if it wasn't for hockey uh, and if it wasn't for you uh, giving me every opportunity, uh, things would have got a lot, um, uh, like things could have got a lot worse. Like I would have been dead a long time ago. Uh, and obviously uh, it's been hockey that's been allowed me to, you know, to get out of this situation that I've been in. Um, and that's a direct result because of your hard work and, and the things and the sacrifices you made uh, to give me the opportunity to play hockey. And it wasn't just hockey uh, because I haven't talked about this, but I did. I, I attempted BMX racing uh, and wakeboarding uh, and everything else. And my dad was always right there to support me uh, to the best of his ability. Um, very often, um, you know, stretching his means uh, way beyond uh, anything imaginable, uh, just, you know, to, uh, make me, um, you know, happy essentially. And, uh, I think looking back dad now that's like, you know, I was a brat, uh, I was spoiled. Uh, but at the same time I, I did have a lot going on. I'm not making excuses, but there was a lot going on. And, and I, I just want to reiterate that there's nothing I don't think that you could have done, uh, or, or short of anybody, uh, doing uh, to look back or to go back and change anything and, and realistically there's no point in doing that because we can't anyways what we can do is just move forward so just because we've never really talked about it now we have uh, and we can just move forward um, but I want what I want uh, what I do want to talk about is uh, you know the times uh, when you were coaching uh, and there was times when when I would miss hockey uh, because of you know a school dance or something like that do you remember this i think you're remembering more times than than it really happened but yeah there were times that you didn't you would rather go to a dance or whatever and i was coaching and i'd give you the one chance and then give you the second chance you didn't want to come i had to go to the right so you would you missed out a few for sure so looking back do you think it would have been beneficial uh to force me to go uh, do you think, because I'm asking, because I'm not sure how I would handle that situation. And most parents, uh, are so, uh, man, you hear about stories like Patrick O'Sullivan, uh, and his dad. And people often asked me like whenever I, a lot of the times, you know, when I was homeless or in jail, uh, and even, you know, just early in my addiction and stuff. And when I came out, uh, retirement there in, in Texas and stuff like that, people would often ask me, they're like, so what happened? Like, why? Like, did your dad pressure you? Uh, 
did a coach abuse you? What was it? And I would always just be like, no, like, I, I don't know what it is. Right. But I always knew, um, the, like what happened to me as a kid, but everybody always thought that you must have pressured me to play. And I think everybody just thought that always. And I, that was never the case. Uh, do you ever wish that you pressured me a little bit more or, or, you know, Gave me, I can't imagine how you would have turned out if I pressured you. I didn't pressure you, and look what happened. So, yeah, I, I know. I'm just that's why I'm asking. I'm not saying it would have done me any 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 different. I'm just asking what you what your thoughts are on it now because I think you know I people don't understand um, that I was a time bomb. Um, sometimes uh, there was a time when uh, we were playing in West Vancouver, and my dad's a, a, was a North Vancouver District firefighter at the time. And uh, we were playing and something happened and I had one of my little episodes and I, I think I got a gross misconduct. I think I shot the puck at the ref after the whistle and uh, 13 years old, 12 years old and um, had lots of stuff going on in my head. Like I, I remember uh, being a basket case um, and just a mess uh, around this time. And uh, I can look at the pictures of myself and of that time and just be like, wow, like, you know, that poor, like, you know, I just want to go back there and be like, man, just tell someone, just talk to somebody, but you can't. Um, but after well, you the, didn't finish the story, I know. But after the game, after the game, uh, you know, I remember I was sitting in the car because you were at the coach. So you had to finish the game uh, and your friend Gord was was also coaching and he was with us and so after the game I was sitting in the car and uh we were on our way to go to have breakfast or I guess it would have been lunch at the Tomahawk which is a great restaurant in North Vancouver shout out to them um I don't know if it's still there uh but it, yep. it's a great spot and uh, we were going there and as we're driving pulling out of the rink uh my dad just starts ripping into me uh I need to smarten up uh, I'm embarrassing him, like, this is crazy, blah, 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 and he's true, like, what I did was absolutely insane, like, shooting the puck at the ref, causing a scene, I can't imagine how many parents were like, what the hell's wrong with your son, um, and so then my dad's, like, saying all this to me, and I just remember leaning in and punching him, I, I, I can't imagine I punched him very hard, but I still punch him, and I just remember my dad hammering on the brakes, turning around and giving me a shot back. And I remember instantly crying. Uh, and my dad goes and he, he he's, he's driving and I'm crying. And I'm like, ah, you can't hit me. I'm calling the police. You're going to jail. Blah, 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 blah. So my dad, he, of course, he knows the area. It's West Vancouver. It's right, we're right beside his fire hall within 10 minutes. He knows the area. And uh, he doesn't say anything. I'm just sitting there going off. He's not saying a word. And I'm still going crying. I'm like, you're going to be sorry. Blah, 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 da, da, da. Probably for like the whole way there. And all of a sudden, the car stops. And he's like, my dad looks back at me. He's like, well, get out and tell him. I look out the window. We're outside the police station. And then I'm like... I'm not going out there. And he's like, that's what I thought. No, sit there and shut up. And I'll never forget it. Do you remember that? I do. It's <laughs> in my book. <laughs> oh, you're writing a book now. Oh, yeah. I always have been. Your your book's going to be better than mine. Well, that's what Gary Joyce said. <laughs> it is. I might as well not even write a book. I should just No, you, 
you should write a book. You should. It makes you feel better. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, I, I'm glad that I, I did not know uh, that you were writing a book, and uh, that makes me happy to know that you are. I think it is extremely therapeutic, and uh, you know, I, I think by doing things like that, um, whether it's a, a journal. Uh, or a book. I, I think we we allow ourselves to to see a lot of the things that we've accomplished, and then some of the areas that we can improve on. And and that's been maybe the biggest thing for me with with writing. And and uh, just to let everybody know, I've always been well, not always, but uh, since I was about eighteen, uh, I've always kind of been an aspiring writer. Uh, and the reason being is because my dad, my dad, you're you're a phenomenal writer. My dad's a great writer. Uh, he's, uh, he's done a few pieces and, and different things and date, dating back. I remember going through the hope chest at my grandma's house as a kid and finding things that my dad wrote in school projects about hockey stories and Don Lever and, and all that. And, um, it was, uh, it was cool. And so my dad, like he is, and, and you don't have to be modest about it. You are, you still a, can't, still can't spell though. Well, that's all right. It's okay. I'm, I have the same problem. Um, but I'm sure it's a lot. It's okay. You got you got spell Chuck now, but no, you just have a way with words, and uh, I think I'm looking forward to reading that for sure. And uh, that that's great. And Garrett Joyce is not wrong. <laughs> I can already tell you. It's, I can already tell you it's going to be uh, better than mine. Uh, but you know, it's, no, he was he was kidding. But the the good or bad part for you is I started to write the book, but I also have probably ninety percent of the text you ever sent in the last ten years. Well, that's a nightmare because we can talk about that. So we could start back at, you know, the first time I think the really bad text would have started. And I mean, not the really bad ones, but the hard, uh, stressful text. If you really want to go back, um, probably. No, we can go whatever order you want to go because I know we're not going to get this in one one hour. So. Well, no, we're almost at one hour already. So, <laughs> uh, but this is the thing. Like, if you want to go back, and in, in which I do, uh, the very first text, uh, alarming text, I think, probably would have started coming in uh, my seventeen-year-old year when I was playing with the Swift Current Broncos when I first moved away from home. It's the first time I was ever away from you. Um, first time I was ever away from home, uh, and I had thought about this, but it was. Uh, I don't know. It was it was really difficult. I remember you leaving. Uh, I remember you had tears in your eyes too when you left me in in Swift Current the first time, um, and so did I. Actually, I didn't at the time, uh, but after I think at nighttime is I I just bawled my eyes out. Um, but I really struggled uh, that year. That year I was struggling uh, emotionally with with everything and uh, thinking a lot about uh, everything and just. Uh, do you remember out of nowhere it was, did it seem like I was just all of a sudden started being suicidal? Mm, no, not so. I flew into Cranbrook to watch you play that time and I talked to Dean and said you'd already met with Mac. Yeah, Mac. And I knew there might be, might be some issues. So at that point though, um, be, again, uh, I'm 17 years old. Uh, my thinking is I'm a minor. Uh, I can't say uh, too much because it's going to affect my hockey career. And that's the biggest thing is that I didn't want to uh, tell anybody, especially you know the sports psychologist. I knew if I say exactly how, how I'm feeling uh, that it's going to cause huge red flags. 
probably going to be pulled from hockey like because I was like legit wanting to kill myself whether or not I was going to do it or not that's all I could think about was like I don't want to be here I don't want to I couldn't focus on hockey I couldn't do uh couldn't do anything and um it's weird though when you would fly in those feelings would really go away um but of course it's not like you could be everywhere but you didn't share them with me either no I didn't um and I would be very almost cold to you um in a sense where it was like um, I wouldn't share with you. It's almost like I wouldn't even talk to you or open up to you, but it was like just knowing you're there in case I wanted to. It was like, okay, well, I could go on and do anything else I want to do. My, my dad's close by, which is really selfish because it's crazy. Like, it's like, okay, so when I need you, you're going to be there. That's not how it works. But that's essentially the way that I was running my life. I was taking you for granted uh, for sure, um, but missing you like crazy and just so used to having you there because, I mean, shit, like... Uh, until we moved to Citadel Heights, I mean, there was nights where most nights, like if you weren't at work, I was falling asleep in your bed till I was like 15 years old watching sports highlights. So like, I, I forget about these things. Um, I mean, and then the other nights I was having sleepovers with my girlfriend or whatever. But seriously, that was the, that was the reality of my life. Um, and so like you flew into Cranbrook and they tell you these things. But I think as a, as a hockey parent and as a, my, like you know me, uh, obviously you knew me very well at that point. Uh, I wasn't really acting out of sorts and it seemed like on the outside, it must've seemed like I had it all figured out because I was playing in the Western hockey league and not having a tremendous amount of success. Um, but it seemed like I was enjoying myself playing with Hangy and, and, uh, every time you saw us, we were laughing, having fun. Um, but there were those troubling phone calls. Do you remember, calling saying i'm gonna eat a bottle of pills and this and that do you remember that mm, not from swift i really don't huh interesting i remember like calling and i remember like seriously like rattling the bottle of pills in the phone i remember being in the the, the bedroom at uh at the marcus house my 17 year old year and you're like don't just you were freaking out i can't believe you don't remember that and uh i just whatever and i remember uh i think well in in fairness there's been like it's probably mixed in with the hundreds of other phone calls like that thousands so thousands maybe (laughs) um yeah honestly it's it's true so um, I end up getting a leave of absence. I come home that year. You're pretty choked that that happened. But again, you don't know what's going on with me. I go back, uh, rookie of the year. Uh, again, things look pretty good. Um, do you remember, uh, looking back now, do you remember that weekend in, in Swift Current uh, for the awards banquet? Yeah, for sure. Because Rod and Tyson came. And now we, had... we had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a blast. Yeah. And, uh, I think, um, though, uh, it, uh, you know, I came home after that and that's sort of when, uh, things started to go south for me and, you know, I, I started to drink a lot, a little bit more than, than I would have, again, I was only 17. So that's when you start to do that. And, um, it's not that you ever allowed it, but you know, I was 17 and you couldn't tell me really what to do at that point. And when you did, I just did what I wanted to anyways. So you were pretty careful with, with what you did and, and said around me. Cause like, like I said, I was a ticking time bomb. There's a story in the article. I, I got to backtrack for a sec, but when you surprised me before a game with a Christian hockey stick and that I wanted, that I wanted so bad, uh, because Connor had one and that's why I wanted it. 
and uh, you showed up because you were working. You went came straight from work, straight from the fire hall. After dealing with all that bullshit all day, seeing dead bodies and all the shit that we've never talked about that you must have PTSD from that I, in my opinion, I think you need help with. That's just me. We could talk about that again when I've never said this to you. But, you know, dealing, I've never thought about all that. Grandma was the one that actually told me about that before she passed away. It was like, yeah, when your dad first started the firefighting, he used to come home and he would tell me, about all the calls, about everything that would happen. But then all of a sudden it would just stop and he stopped talking about it. And then he just kind of changed and he just sort of like, so people always think, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to talk about People always think, a lot of my friends at first think you're an asshole. And I'm like, my dad's not an asshole at all. My dad's actually like the nicest guy ever. Um, but I think he's just gone through so much shit. Uh, with dealing with the shit at the fire hall and all those calls like you've seen can't imagine the shit you've seen dad like with with the kids and everything i don't want to bring it up for you that's not my job but uh and then the the ptsd you have with all the shit from me like holy cow we haven't even touched on it i know i'm gonna wrap this up because we'll have to do a part two and and i'm hoping you'll do episode 51 part two will you yeah sure okay cool so we can keep it going but you got what do we have 10 minutes at least well, ten or fifteen. Okay, cool. So then I can I can I'll read you the opening page of the book on fifty one. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love that. Um, you know, it's oh, man. I don't know. I I come back uh, from Swift Current, like like I was talking about though, and uh, that's really when my mental health issues take off. And again, I, I've talked about a lot about this girlfriend I had um, who. Uh, I knew you always knew it was a problem, uh, but you never could do anything about it. But it's not like she was the problem. Uh, she was actually really good for me. Uh, one of the people that, that actually kept me on track and, and kept me out of trouble. Like all the parties in high school, I would have been doing a lot of the things that uh, all the other people were doing. Uh, but there was two reasons why I wasn't. One was hockey but the main reason was her because I knew if she found out or if I did it that she that was a no-go for her so I was trying to you know I didn't litter I didn't do anything because she was like that that upstanding citizen so you know losing that influence and it wasn't like looking back it wasn't even so much like hey I lost a girlfriend for the reasons of whatever a girlfriend it, it was I lost my best friend um from you know her and I were best friends from grade 8 to grade 12 and uh losing my best friend that was kind of guiding me and 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 you know keeping me on track uh and and kind of allowing me to to find myself without falling down that that path of of drugs and alcohol too much because i remember uh drinking the first time uh i remember me and connor stealing booze out of the fridge we didn't do it often but we we definitely did it um and and being drunk and just remember loving it because um, it was right around the time after all that stuff happened a couple of years or whatever, 12 years old or whatever. And, uh, just thinking like, you know, nothing else matters. So right away, I kind of knew, uh, that, that this was going to happen, that, uh, for some reason I used to laugh, uh, and, and look at my veins in my arms and be like, I'd make a great drug addict one day. Cause I used to have big veins in my arms. Like who says that? And, uh, I guess you, you, uh, whatever you say becomes your reality, unfortunately. And I don't think that's either one of us could ever, um, see that coming and, and we'll save that for episode 52 because uh, there's a story I think that you don't even know that'll just be like you'll be like wow and it's still it's a hard one for me to get out but uh, 
uh, I, I wrote about it uh, while I was in jail. Actually, it was one of the first things that I wrote my experience, and uh, you know, it's, it's 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 yeah, you'll it'll be a hard one to get through, but I think everyone uh, will enjoy it, and uh, definitely, um, I think yeah, it'll blow you away. Um, but man, I know I've kind of been all over the place for for everybody listening, and Dad, sorry, I I know I haven't given you much. All right, it's your show. I haven't given you much of an opportunity to talk, but like I said, we will definitely do uh, for sure part two, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of opportunity for you to come on uh, again. And I hope that you know after we can we can just address this um, and get the story out, then we can we can start moving in the direction of uh, you know seeing what we can do to to help people through different avenues, including or not including the Puck Support Foundation. Just um, you know getting your book out or whatever, because I believe that's going to help not only you, uh, but your book can help a lot of people. Um, because I think, I think here in part two, uh, we're going to get to, uh, really where, um, the drugs start to come into play and, um, you know, the different behaviors and the different things that happened and, um, different decisions maybe you had to make uh, based on things that were going on in your life, maybe that I don't know about or, or whatever the case is. Uh, because I will say that uh, one thing you did, Dad, was you never, ever, ever um, allowed me, uh, I can't speak for Brittany, but I certainly never felt that uh, anything was ever wrong uh, at home. Uh, but I know looking back now that you definitely struggled financially and, uh, um, you know, I don't know, again, I don't know how you did it because I, I felt like I had everything I wanted. Uh, and aside from the shit that happened to me, I, I seriously, I couldn't have asked for a better childhood. Like, you know, we never had the nicest car or the nicest boat, but Hey, we had a, a car and a boat and we got to, I got the water ski and, uh, I always had the best hockey gear though. Like you always made sure that I had the skates I wanted and the sticks I wanted. Um, and for that, um, I don't know if you could do it nowadays with the prices of hockey. Uh, Not it's, a chance. it's absolutely insane. Um, but however, it was still expensive back then. And, and for that, I'm grateful because if you didn't do that, uh, if you weren't, you know, uh, if you didn't work so hard and, and we could talk about that again, how many jobs you work, different jobs, not just firefighting, uh, but you were, you're a scout in the Western hockey league. You have been for how many years now? 20 years, probably. Yeah. 18 with Swift in the last two with Saskatoon. Wow. That's crazy. So 20 years as a scout in the Western hockey league. And I will say quickly that my dad, if you, <laughs> my dad is, my dad's a Western hockey league champion. I am not, uh, which was, I'm very proud to say that. And, and that was a cool moment for me. Um, to, to, even though I was, uh, completely mangled when you sent me that picture, um, I was able to, it's weird when certain things happen that can bring you out of whatever state you're in. And, uh, it was a pretty cool, uh, moment and, uh, uh, whether or not I ever win a championship in any fashion, it doesn't matter. It was still cool to see you win and especially see you win, uh, with Swift Current. Uh, and I'd never seen the picture of you with the trophy until today. So thank you for sending me that. Well, no, it was a good group, really good group of scouts and lots of good friends. And a couple of them really helped me through it all. So it was good. Yeah. And dealing, dealing with you when we, when I'd be away traveling or whatever, I, uh, my roommate, Daryl, Eric, was a Winnipeg cop. So he was a good sounding board. So that's awesome. And, and thank you, Daryl. And I would say thank you to probably guys like Tim Mills, uh, who, yeah. who probably, uh, 
lent uh, lent his ear to you and probably guys like Harley Love uh, as well. Yeah, they still do. And um, Harley's in Saskatoon with me too. So well, that doesn't surprise me. I think you well, look, his son's the coach. Well, I know that, but I regardless if Mitch <laughs> is the coach, it just doesn't surprise me that you guys are together because I know you guys you've always looked forward to uh, to getting getting together with him and uh, shooting the shit. So. Uh, but, I talk to Tim just about every day. So yeah, well, let him know I said hello, and uh, yeah. Well, I, he just heard you. He's probably gonna listen to this. So well, there you go. Hi, Tim. Thanks for <laughs> uh, thanks for being there for my dad. And uh, seriously, like because I, you know, and again, I will say too, and and we're gonna get into this. My dad has a my dad has a new wife, Kelly, and and we don't have the best relationship, but um, that's not. Uh, to say that things can't possibly get better in the future, but I know that um, there's been, man, so much garbage that I've done, and we're going to talk about that, um, about all the money you gave me and all the lies and stories and the stress, not only I put on you, but I put on her and her kids and um, everything because it'll be, this is just a little teaser for next episode. Like, there was a time uh, when there was gang members that were going to the fire hall looking for me, um because I owed money, and Dad, that's a true story. That's a true story. There was times you were in the emergency ward, overdosed, and we were dealing with collectors in the lobby trying to get into your, the ER. Yeah, so, and, and these were serious gangs uh, that, were, and back then, uh, I don't even think you know this, um, but it was pretty bad because uh, the drug war that was going on back then actually lost uh, a few, uh, maybe not friends, uh, but acquaintances, one friend anyways, Brianna, uh, that I've known, that I knew for a, a long, long time. And, uh, you know, Connor dated her in middle school and, uh, was shot, uh, because she was dating a drug dealer and, um, you know, and there was many other people and it was that circle. And, uh, it was just, I'm very lucky, um, one to get out of that, uh, but more so, uh, to get out of uh, the, the overdoses and, and all that and how many times I was in the psych ward um, and never mind jail. So we have so much uh, to cover. Um, I hope I hope that this, you know, allowed us to get into uh, a little bit. Um, and I hope that, you know, people um, can take something from this. But I really think that part two is uh, is going to be um, an absolute home run. And Dad, I'm looking forward Super looking forward to, to hearing your book. That that excites me. I've been waiting for you to write a book. I've been encouraging you to write a book. Um, and finally, uh, it's happening. I don't know how long it's been happening. Um, but also, my dad well, will... It's a long way from being finished. I'm sure You have is. to talk to Longer. That it wasn't a Springer or a Povich yet, but it might be in episode 51. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, but uh, it's, it's all good. And... Um, I'm not. I'm not sure uh, what the future holds for our relationship. Obviously, I live far away, and uh, there's other things that that need to get mended. But the fact that you know you have have me as a Facebook friend and and retweet. Well, I had to. I had planned to come back to see you last August. Yeah, but I ended but up no, back in jail. Well, nobody knew where you were. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. Uh, Nobody knew who you were, where you were. I had to file a missing persons report and cancel the airline tickets because I was going to come back for your birthday. But uh, about two weeks later, I got a call from OPP. They said, he's fine. We got him. Can't tell you where he is or what he did. So 
Uh, wow, what a horrible call. How many of those did you get? We can talk about that too. It's listen, it's um it's kind of funny now, but it's not funny because at the end of the day, uh a lot of damage was done. Uh I can deal with the stuff that I've done to myself personally. Um, but I know that there's uh I did damage to you and your relationships and, and multiple other people, including the people um that I harmed with different offenses. Um, and, and all of that, the crimes that I committed and, and I'll have to own that for the rest of my life. And, and there's still consequences that I deal with on, on, uh, everyday basis. And, uh, there's nothing I can do to take back the past, but I, I'm so glad, um, that look forward to the future, make it better for everybody. That's right, dad. And, uh, I just want to say before I let you go, thank you for supporting me for, for everything. Uh, I could not have done, uh, any of this without you and uh even the podcast because um you've chipped in and helped out multiple times uh to make this possible to make this whole production possible so thank you uh and i look forward to the day when one day i can actually start paying you back the millions of dollars that i owe you and i'm not exaggerating we'll get to that um but anyways dad i love you and thank you so much uh for being a guest on episode 50 i made it uh and you're back for 51 and i'm looking forward to uh hearing your book okay thanks for having me on love you talk to you soon all right love you too dad we'll talk soon guys that's episode 50 of hockey to heroin the road to recovery big thanks to my dad brian well dad we did it one in the books Guess what, guys? He's agreed to come back for another one. Episode 51 is going to feature my dad, Brian, as well. And I'm just so lucky. Any chance, uh, I feel lucky. Any chance I get uh, to talk to my dad. And I'm just looking forward to developing a relationship and spending some time with him on the golf course. uh, And just really showing him who I am today. uh, And just regaining some of those, uh, you know, I guess that trust and uh, just that level, uh, that bond uh, that I've been missing and I, I'm sure my dad has been too and, and I look forward to just rebuilding that. And there is no reason why we can't rebuild that relationship and strengthen it better than it's ever been. And like I said, I just can't wait and I'm just so grateful that I'm still here uh, to be able to do that. And, and Dad, thank you uh, for agreeing to come on on episode 50. It gave me something to shoot for and I was really looking forward to it. I was really nervous. Uh, I was really emotional, and it didn't go as, as planned, and, and that's just the case while doing podcasts, and, uh, you know, I feel that it went well. It's my hope that uh, we touched on the things that needed to be talked about, but we have lots more time uh, to discuss all the important issues and to get in uh, to the thick of things about my addiction. Uh, that's coming up on episode 51. Dad, thank you. Seriously. Um, for everything there's just no words Uh, we could do a thousand episodes and we'll never be able to cover all the bullshit uh, and all the good times Uh, but mostly all the bullshit that I put you through and uh, all the stress and all the hurt and all the lies Uh, and we're going to open up about that in episode 51 the news about my dad's book is awesome I'm going to keep pushing him now and encouraging him to get that out there. My dad's such a great writer. Uh, He's always inspired me. And the things that I do are a direct result of my dad and the things that he did. We didn't touch on it about uh, him recording videos and stuff. We can talk about that on the next episode. But really, it's no 
There's no question why I'm into editing and the podcast and all that stuff. I'm just very much like my dad, um, the good qualities, uh, and I'm thankful for that. My dad is such a great, great, great human being and respected by so many, uh, and for, for good reason. Um, just want to say once again, Dad, I love you and thank you so much. And thank you for listening to Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. I hope you enjoyed episode 50, halfway to 100. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. What are we going to do for episode 100 now? Who knows? Where will we be 50 episodes from right now, from today? Where will we be? The door is wide open. So many opportunities. I see so much uh, in my future and in the Pox of Our Foundation's future and uh, just positive things for the hockey community. And uh, for that, you know, I feel very lucky. Helps me get out of bed every single day. I have a purpose. Not only do I have a beautiful family with a kid on the way, I mean, I'm setting myself up to have a relationship with my kids, Brooklyn and Brody, again. And. I can go to bed every single day knowing that, you know, I'm a good human being. I'm doing all the right things. Uh, I'm doing as much as I can on a daily basis to be the best person I can uh, to those around me uh, and to learn how to love myself and just, you know, learn how to balance the the difficulties of life. And I try to do that and then share them with uh, each and every one of you. And I hope that you know, my my story can just maybe inspire somebody just a little bit. And uh, that'll make everything that I've gone through worth it. Thank you so much for listening. Please, please, wherever you're listening, rate and review and subscribe. Follow me on social media, at Hockey to Heroin, at Hockey to Heroin Podcast, at Puck Support, at Gratitude Crusade, and at Pucks and Plants uh, to get educated more on other options outside of pharmaceuticals when it comes to pain management and that sort of stuff. Guys, thank you once again for listening. I want to quickly touch on the Puck Sport Foundation Gratitude Crusade. Look for it. It's coming back. It's coming back heavy with new guidelines. I'm going to start nominating people like crazy because I have so much to be grateful for. What do you have to be grateful for today? I don't think all of us have to look very far. If you're listening to this, you have headphones, you have a phone, you have a computer, you have a car with a radio, something, possibly all of it. Think of all the things you have. Life is pretty darn good, isn't it? And if it isn't, change your perspective. It's it's only you can do that. Don't look to other people or outside things to do it look within yourself I believe in you believe in yourself and guys if you want to support me please do on patreon patreon.com slash hockey to heroin that is how you can support me directly another big shout out to David Carlson and Brennan Leary my two first patrons good news I have just ordered some posters personalized posters that I'm going to send David and Brenna autographed. Uh, they're gonna they're limited. Uh, if you want one, sign up. Patreon.com. That's how you can support me directly through a monthly membership, and I'm gonna do my very best uh, to make it worth your while. I love 
that people when people want to support me and so many people have sent me money and done things and, and want to help me with my teeth and, and it's overwhelming and it makes me feel extremely awkward if I'm honest but patreon that makes me feel okay because I can give you guys something back in return please check it out patreon.com slash hockey to heroin there's different tier levels and I promise you I will do my best to make it worth your while because that's just who I am and I'm so appreciative to everybody but more than anything, guys, please check out the Puck Support Foundation, PuckSupport.com. And please look in the link in the description right now. There's a link to the GoFundMe page. Can you afford $5? Can you take a little bit less for yourself today? Don't get your Starbucks or your Tim Hortons. Donate that $5 to the Puck Support Foundation. We need the money. The money right now raised on the GoFundMe page is for initial startup costs. I'm more than happy to be out of pocket. I don't care, but I just don't have the money uh, to take this thing to the next level, to pay the lawyers to get incorporated. So please get behind this thing, get involved. We're transparent. The door is wide open. Um, again, I'm not in charge of the finances. We will, we have professionals on the board, and we're actively seeking uh, members. Uh, not so much for the board, but uh, at this point, volunteers, uh, ambassadors, and all that stuff. So if you want to help spread the word of the Puckspore Foundation, please do, and please. Support us by donation if you can. I hate asking for money, but listen, the goal is $25,000. we are going to need $25 million, but not by GoFundMe. Uh, once we get to $25,000 or maybe even just a little bit less, we can hit, hit uh, that goal and we can get the lawyers paid and get these things done and get incorporated, start going after larger sponsors, then we can give them that donor receipt once we're incorporated, uh, you know. We could go after government grants. We won't rely on GoFundMe pages. So guys, please, right now, these initial donations mean everything to us. It's what we need, guys. Please, I beg you. I don't beg often, but the Pucksport Foundation needs to happen. And we're going to make sure that we can do everything we can to bring the best possible resources and help to the hockey community on a whole level. Um, and like I said, we want you to get involved. Please do. Email us team at pucksupport.com and check us out pucksupport.com thank you so much for listening that is episode number 50 of course brought to you by team issue limited check their website out teamissue.ca use promo code toadrag15 to get 15% off your total purchases that's it for episode 50 thank you so much for listening if you're struggling please reach out to somebody, if not to me. Uh, I do my best uh, to get back to everybody and I'm currently uh, seeking out resources for people and we're working on setting up the 1-800 number for the Puck Support Foundation uh, and, and aligning the proper resources so we can help people because people reach out to us every single day. You guys have no idea. We need your help. When I say we need your help, uh, I don't ask lightly. I ask with a heavy heart because people are struggling and many people have already lost their battle and I can't take it anymore. So please, guys, check out the description. The link is there to the GoFundMe page. Even if you can just afford $5, please, guys. Like I said, I beg you. And I really hope you're all having a great week. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. Take care of each other. Be happy. Be grateful. And if you're not, change your perspective change your attitude and remember have a great day if you so choose
Always do it on my own, so I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow, till I finally prove it Never listen to the no's, I just wanna keep moving Keep my head up when I act, head up, that's a fact Never looking back, I'ma keep myself on track Keep my head up, staying strong, always moving on Feel I don't belong, tell my thoughts to move along Push myself to be the best, die with no regrets Live with every breath, see my message start to spread And I had so many dreams, then you hit your teens Life ain't really what it seems, try to find out what it means Always do it on my own, so I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow Till I finally prove it Never listen to the no's I just wanna keep moving Yeah, I put out all this art It's my only medicine, yeah Everything I do I'm just being genuine, yeah I'm sick of being screwed Feel my own adrenaline, yeah I do just what I do And I hope you let me in Let me in, Listen up, cause I'll only say it once I'm gonna show you all the path If you want it bad I'm gonna show you where it's at Yeah, how you can get it back Yeah, cause I ain't never done I'll be number one Working hella hard until I get just what I want Yeah, rise just like the sun Yeah, fatal like a gun Shooter's gonna shoot and I'm gonna shoot until I fall yeah. Always do it on my own So I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow Till I finally prove it Never listen to the no's I just wanna keep moving Yeah, I put out all this art It's my only medicine Yeah, everything I do I'm just being genuine Yeah, I'm sick of being screwed Feel my own adrenaline Yeah, I do just what I do And I hope you let me in Let me in, yeah Yeah.